Hey, hoy, Noiros! Welcome to another spooky week of Out of the Podcast. With me, as always, is Dan. This is a note I just got from a listener. Listener David called you the Terry Gross of Noir Podcast. Wow. Is that a real? That's real. That's actually I, a couple weeks I should have told you this, but it, here we are. Wow, that's quite a compliment. I don't know if I can yes. live up to that. <laughs> well, we'll see if but he can pull you. it off on this episode. And Gentleman Joey here to say, uh, let's see what he's got. Terry Gross's producer here to say, uh, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Did you have a good week, Dan? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I've been, I've been kind of going through, uh, I think I mentioned this to you earlier. I've been kind of going into this like pre-code vibes recently with movies. Um, I think mm-hmm. I may have mentioned on the last episode. But I've been kind of making my way through a lot of pre-code first kind of, you know, talk, talky pictures and stuff like that. And right now, even before the podcast, I started watching uh, Island of Lost Souls, which is basically like Dr. Moreau. Because now that it's October, you got to do the, the horror vibes. So I've been doing that. And uh, I have Dr. X and uh, Mystery of the Wax Museum on the docket too. Two of the lovely two-color, early Technicolor pictures. Yeah, and I saw TCM is going to be showing a lot of these this month too. So They are. Yeah, it's if great. If anybody wants to play along. Go ahead and check that list. I did Great repost timing. it on our account at one point, but I'll, I'll try to get it out there again. But yeah, boy, I mean, we should almost do something themed for the month of October, don't you think? Yeah, it would have been a good idea. Maybe if we planned ahead. I mean, we're pretty notoriously bad at that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get better. I mean, we're, you know, almost a year in now. I mean, I think we've proven that we'll just keep getting better and better. At this point, we're like a successful podcast, but where do we go from here? Who knows? Only up, I hope. I watched some movies this week, Dan. Oh, yeah? Yes. And what, uh, while watching watch? some of these movies, I also want to give a shout out to uh, GoPuff, the service now has a pizza and it's weirdly amazing. Really? It's yeah, like it's their hot, own like proprietary pizza? Hot pizza, 10 bucks for a cheese pizza. And it's just, it's there's something to it. I, I can't explain it, but I've eaten at least three this week. What? How, yeah. how, how big are they? They're like, not big, but they're big. Like, like it's a, like a little bigger than a personal pan. I so maybe say. like a 14 inch or something? I would say uh, maybe a full-on 12-inch. Okay. I would say for about 10 bucks. Okay. You know, whereas a, a 14 to 16-inch is going to run you about like 15 bucks. So okay, okay. Interesting. In Philadelphia prices. So I just want to give a shout-out to the Go Puff Pizza, uh, Weird Gem. It, it kept speaking to me, and eventually I pulled the trigger, and I am so glad I did. So that was fun. Let's see. Watch Conan the Barbarian this week with the, the roommates and, and the lady. That was fun. That's cool. The power went out right as the movie was ending. Oh, no. Yeah, that was weird, but it happens weirdly a lot on our block. Like, not even block. It's like a grid that takes down, like, a bunch of blocks, including the popular bar that's right across the street or around the corner for me. That's that. And, yeah, but usually it's pretty quick to come back on. And it did. That's good. But but Conan still holds up. What a a great, fun time. I can't wait to listen to... I just picked up the Blu-ray, which also has the Destroyer on it. And But regular Conan has commentary from Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I can't wait to listen to it. (laughs) I was going to say, that's going to be amazing. It it always makes you think of uh, Conan the Librarian from (laughs) from UHF. (laughs) I can't not think of that. I mean, that's on my list of of what I think of, but it it takes a minute to get there. I I have too much history with Conan, both in in comics and a love of that first film. It's a perfect movie. Yeah. I mean, UHF, my brain will go there pretty quickly in in a lot of I understand, and I'm not saying it shouldn't, as it should, sir. Caught a little bit of Raging Bull this morning. Actually, most of it. Still holds up. Still a good time. Cool. You, You forget that that's like the first collaboration with Joe Pesci on that one. Yeah. He really comes in hot. And, and Paul Schrader wrote that, right? He did a he did a pass at the script, yeah. Okay, all right. 
So basically, I'll do a quick rundown because I know this has nothing to do with anything, but hey, we're in, well, it's October, we're in it. De Niro was reading the book that the boxer, Jake LaMotta, had wrote on the set of Godfather 2, and he really wanted Scorsese to do it, but he didn't, he doesn't like sports, he's not into boxing, so he just didn't connect to him. And then uh, he had a drug overdose and was able to be persuaded to make the film. He thought it was going to be his last one. And yeah, so Paul Schrader came in and did a pass on a script that had been done. And then they were saying that De Niro and Scorsese basically like rewrote the script, but didn't get credit. Uh, Paul Schrader, card counter, still need to watch. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Though I've got a copy waiting for me. It's just a matter of doing it. But boy, you want to talk about a movie I regret watching. Saw that Sopranos movie yesterday. It's old Uh at this point, but what a fucking stinker that was. I kind of had a feeling it would be. Honestly. Oh, I knew it was yeah. going to be. But I, the thing is, I like David Chase and I trust David Chase. Um, his mm-hmm. last movie, Not Fade Away, is just like one of the best representations of someone who's in the, like, loves music, been in the music industry, gone on tour. Like, even though it takes place in the 60s, it just has that passion that I just remember being around in, like, the scenes that we were in. And it's mm-hmm. the only, like the only movie that's ever spoken to me in that way. I think it's a secret gem. Everybody hates it. And then they forced him to go back to the Sopranos and he just had nothing to say. This thing mm-hmm. was a waste of fucking time. It's people doing impressions of characters. There's like oh. voiceovers from beyond the grave. The whole thing is just so stupid. So sounds like a mess. It was a total mess. Cannot recommend skipping that enough. Well, getting back to um, card counter, back there. it's with, Oscar Isaac, which I was going to ask if you uh, had, have watched the new HBO remake of Bergman's Scenes from a Marriage. Have you, have you watched that? Um, I'm not against it. It's just, it's not appealing to me. Mm-hmm. I like that duo. Yeah. Him and Chastain, they did that one movie. Do you remember what I'm talking about, Dan? From like 2012 or something like that? Vaguely. I, I don't think I saw it. I, I know, I, I vaguely remember something like that. It was good. It wasn't great, but they just had a great chemistry. chemistry. So like, I yeah. like seeing them together, but it's just something I didn't really need remade. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. I mean, I, you know, I, I absolutely love Ingmar Bermer. He's one of my like top three all-time favorite directors. Love sure. all of his stuff. And the original one's fantastic. The original um, one is, is yeah, it's, it's a yeah. masterpiece. And I figured, you know, it's HBO. I, I like the two leads, like you said, as well. So I was like, you know what? It's, it's an easy watch. It's Sunday nights, or I'll watch it. I'll catch it later during the week. And it's not bad. You know, I, I kind of have, like, no expectation for it, actually. So, I, you know, and I'm not even really trying to compare it too much to the original. So I'm just kind of, like, going in very just whatever about it. And it's sure. fine. It's not amazing. I like it. it I, I'm interested to see where it goes. I mean, we're only up. We only had the first three episodes so far. So it's right. still relatively new. But it's not bad. So yeah, that's that's the other thing. The only other like new thing I've been watching. I figure if I'm gonna check it out, I'll wait till it's done. Yeah, it's worth, it's it. worth a, a watch. I mean, it's not bad. You know what's great? If you got HBO Max, cannot recommend it highly enough. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favorite shows was The Life and Times of Tim, and it was never up on HBO Max. They finally put it up because the creator just put out a new show. They put up every episode. It's called Ten Year Old Tom. It's mm-hmm. basically the exact same show except for this time he's a kid. It's fucking hilarious. I can't oh, wait yeah. to watch it again. Highest, highest recommendation. Check that out. And mm-hmm. then while you're there too, check out uh, Joe Para because he's coming back this month too. Mm-hmm. A lot of mm-hmm. stuff on there, man. So much. A lot stuff. of stuff. The, be- the best service there is right now, I would say. Although it can be a little bit spotty sometimes for me. The, like, I don't it, have it that up. issue. Yeah, I know a lot of people, uh, I've heard that, but personally I don't have that issue. I, I do think it's worth taking the plunge, especially, you know. Yeah. I'm not really watching popular stuff most of the time. So it's okay. I, you know, like when I'm watching something that is premiering the same night at the same time and I'm streaming it, I find it to be a little spotty, but other than that, Mm. it's not too bad. That's good. But I want everyone to go watch 10 year old Tom and uh, 
go make that show be spotty. Get, make that be hard to watch <laughs> because it's fantastic. But that's that's all I got, Daniel. What about you? Nope, that's pretty much it. Oh, the only other thing I have was, uh, uh, did you, I, I don't know if we Sneak talked about attack. getting it, uh, the uh, the new Warner Archive Blu-ray of uh, Night at the Opera. I, I watched that. I have it. I have not watched it yet. How was it? Looks great. Looks great. I love that movie. It's been so long since I've watched it. And now I'm like, I want to just go back. I, I watched um, A Day at the Races the other day. No, I'm sorry. Not, not A Day at the Races. I'm going to watch oh. that. Uh, Horse, Horse Feathers I watched. Um, yeah. And I, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch like all of them, but that was like the one I watched the other day because it was quick. Um, but no, Night, Night the Opera looks amazing. Just as funny as it's ever been. So definitely a good fun watch. Highly recommend Figured it was just saving it for the right perfect night looking yeah. forward to it um got new tex avery coming this week oh yeah already yeah, will be out by then but yeah warner archive coming Cranking. back strong whatever hiccup they had they've cleared their throat and they are they're on to the business just like we are right now yep and with that i think that's a good transition this was a joey suggestion i love this movie i can't wait to find out what dan has to say I have a uh, not, lot of thoughts about this movie. I'm excited for that. I hope they are good thoughts. It could be bad thoughts, but I know there's a couple of times where I know I got it. Okay. Experiment in Terror, released April 13th, 1962. Produced by Jeffrey Kate Productions and distributed by Columbia Pictures. Directed and produced by Blake Edwards after he did Breakfast at Tiffany's, which is a very fun fact. Yes. And this was written by the Gordons, uh, a.k.a. Mildred Gordon and Gordon Gordon. Yes, really, that's his name. (laughs) Based on their book, Operation Terror. Welcome to the show. So, So, yeah, yeah. okay, you start with here, so, Dan. What do you got, sir? So, I'm going to say this. Um, Oh, boy. First off, I absolutely love this movie. Um, Worth the heart attack you almost gave me. Yes. (laughs) I wanted to give you some suspense. And two, this movie was a masterclass in cinematography. Like I oh, yes. was I was just mesmerized. Like I mean the, the plot itself is, is cool as we'll get into, but I it's like a good, great looking movie. The yeah, just like the, the starkness of everything, but just like the some of the shots they, they did and, and the transitions and the fade ins and fade outs are just mm-hmm. like amazing. Like I was just like enthralled with it the entire time and i i i I was almost thinking more about that than the plot and of course and and it's amazing to me that when that happens but yeah it it was just stunning i the soundtrack was great i mean we'll we'll get into it but it's a perfect movie yeah and i've been wanting to watch this one since we conceived of the podcast but it really was like it's a little spooky we should save it for october yeah and the whole time i'm like boy i hope i remembered this correctly because i had only seen it the once and was blown away by it but yeah i was like yeah i hope i remember this being creepy enough because of course i remember the introduction which we we're about to get into oh it's but, creepy it's got but some from there moments. i'm just like no no no. this holds up we did good this is a flawless october list of spooky noir yes uh yes yeah, so we have a nice little title sequence uh oh, as we're driving amazing. through the, amazing got the cool music throughout the yeah as we were saying the score is really really good in this one and, and we're in uh, san francisco so you got me right there <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, we, we got down with the San Francisco. And of course, I, I'm going to bring up something later that I know we got you with. Uh, as yes. Well. Oh, yeah. And I, I think he I know. knows it as well. So yeah, she's driving this drive to San Francisco. We're in this really cool car, which is a 1958 Ford Fairlane 500 Sunliner. Got to give that a shout out because it is a very striking and, and beautiful car. Top down. Love in San Francisco. It's a long drive back, but it's a nice one. And this is where we see Kelly Sherwood, who's played by Lee Remick. And she's on her way back to the Twin Peaks section of San Francisco. Hmm. Yeah, huh? I wonder if that's going to be an influence hmm. at all. She arrives home, closes the garage. She's got a great place. And she's looking around her garage. Something feels off. 
And she's going to head back inside when she's just instantly grabbed by this like wheezing, shadowy figure. When I did my rewatch to do the second watch today to type everything up, the plot synopsis, I, I, I pulled a Dan. I was doing the subtitles and there's one brief part where it says wheezing laughter. And I thought that was a great subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> wheezing maniacal laughter. He grabs her by the mouth and the throat and he's in the shadows and it's just a nice long introduction. And it basically is like, if this doesn't get you, I, I can't, I don't know what to tell you. This is, this is the movie, you know? Yeah. It's a great setup. I mean, it, it, the, the idea of it is just a, the concept's a great idea, but the, the length in which <laughs> you're kind of in this moment with her and he's like basically strangling her, you yeah. know, for, for a, like extended amount of time is, yeah, it's, it's pretty terrifying. It's the scene. I mean, it's on the, the movie poster. It's on Blu-ray, which I want to briefly say, you know, we got it for this. Mm. I mean, we were going to get, I was going to get it at least in general, but we got it for this. And, and the whole time it, you look at the design, it's got that little uh, 12 rating there in the corner, in the bottom left corner. And you're like, Oh boy, I see that on all those, the foreign Blu-rays. So maybe this thing isn't going to work, but this sucker is region free. Have no fear indicator totally coming through letting you know that this is going to work on all blu-ray players so that's yes and it looks great great print some some cool bonus features too we'll we'll get into later but yep yeah but and also even in the trailer uh they also are you know it's all that throat scene i mean they they're they're letting you know we're grabbing you by the throat and you're in on it and there's terror there's terror and you know we're going to do some experimentation so he's just going off. He's saying, I know everything about you. He's saying her measurements and like, hey, I know the party you even just left. I'm not going to hurt you. No, 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 no. I don't want to hurt you. I just want to talk to you. Nothing's going to happen unless you do something foolish. Then I'll kill you. I've already killed twice, so I won't hesitate to do it again. Do we understand each other? Good. You've got a small waist. Measurements. 34, 22, 35, right? (laughs) Oh, I know a lot about you, Miss Sherwood. What do you want? I'll scream. Somebody will hear me. This is a dead end street. You won't scream. And I know what kind of a street this is. Now your sister. I know your sister. He's like, and he's like, I don't even, I don't want to be seen right now. He's like, we're not going inside anything you'd expect. He's just like, I I got business here. And that business is that I want you to rob a hundred thousand dollars in the bank that you work at. And yeah, I'm going to threaten your sister. You know, I know her routine. She has a boyfriend, everything about her. Don't worry, he'll cut you in on 20%. (laughs) So, hey, not too shabby, right? Maybe we'll do this job. So the wheezing man, he says he's going to leave her and return with instructions. 
she gets into the parked car where she's just looking for. She's able to look in the mirror a little bit, but he Great has her, and has a way for 10 minutes while he leaves. Naturally, you're going to go run inside. You're going to call the FBI. You know, at first, I'm like, how come it's not the cops? But maybe just because it's a bank, federal money, she knows it's good right to the source. Maybe that's in the training to give you the FBI number. Uh, yeah, guess- I, something I was curious about throughout the film, why she went right to the FBI. It was interesting. With my second slash third watch, I think it is just because it is, it's the bank is involved and it, it is just like, what, yeah. what are the cops going to do? These are the guys who insure this stuff. Yeah, that's true. So we got to see some switchboard operators. That's fun. Yeah, lots and of switchboard operators in this. Good to see them. And so the call gets put through to John Ripley, also known as Rip, but I'm going to be calling him Glenn Ford this entire time. <laughs> before Good watching this movie, I, th- I, thought, I thought Glenn Ford, before knowing anything about this movie, I thought he was going to be the killer, and that would have been fascinating <laughs> to me. Um, it would have been I- against type. Yes, but I'm glad I'm glad he's not because yeah, because it is against type. So I, I think and I think Glenn Ford was right for the role that he was in. So I, I'm I'm totally happy with it. But for like just not knowing anything about the movie, I I just assumed in my head that he was going to be the the guy. But it's fine. I t- I totally understand that they cast a great guy. I think casting all around is perfect. There's nothing yeah, that would change. Definitely. So she tells Glenn Ford that someone's trying to kill her, and then the line goes dead, and she's been knocked out by the wheezing man, who's like, "Yeah, I'm sticking around to make sure you don't call the cops," and yeah. I was right. So good call. He's like stepping on her <laughs> from yeah. the floor and just let her know like, yo, I hope you learn the lesson. We're going to do this right next time. And that probably would have worked if Glenn Ford was lazy, but he gets right to work. He's trying to find out who called and he's able, he got her last name. She said, Miss Sherwood is, is on yeah. the line and someone's trying to kill me. So he's checking the San Francisco area for every kind of Sherwood and they, they do find it. Mm-hmm. Glenn Ford talks to her and they play it cool just in case the, the wheezing man is still listening. They want to come out there, but she's saying, no, 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 I'm pretty sure he's still watching me. And she's able to very slyly bring up that she works at the bank and where that bank is. She, yeah. she does a great job. Yeah. That's, Master class in what to do in this situation. Yeah. Um, so they stake out her place, but all seems to be quiet. And then the next day, Kelly takes her sister, Toby, who's played by Stephanie Powers, to the school. And she said, hey, why don't you go ahead and get a ride home with your boyfriend, Dave? And if I'm not back home by the time you get there, why don't you go ahead and wait with Dave before I get back? Hey, nothing to worry about, right? Yeah, I mean, the sister definitely knows <laughs> something's up, but she won't <laughs> tell her. Because he, basically, she's like sworn by the, the wheezing guy to not to tell anybody, you know, so... She's got to be pretty tight-lipped about it. Meanwhile, we got the FBI. They're still trying to figure out what to do. And Nancy Ashton comes in, who's played by Patricia Houston. And she's talking about her friend who's in trouble, quote-unquote, with a man. She's trying to figure out how much trouble her friend would be in as well as being involved with, you know, whatever this bad guy is up to. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to, you know, like, hey, what, what can we do? And she finds out that the FBI actually doesn't make deals. You need to talk to the state's attorney. So all of a sudden, she's not feeling so up for talking about her friend. She leaves. Probably unrelated, right? Yeah, it was very you know, interesting how this came to play in, you know, obviously later on. But it's very, it was very interesting because you, like, you have no idea where this is playing into the, the plot. Yeah, because you feel like it would be part of it, but it just doesn't, you don't know how. Like, what? How right. How on earth could this be a part of it? Maybe it's just a busy day in the FBI. Who knows? Right. The connection is not easy to define at all. Like, you can't find it. And, it's, and that's what, like, I was a little bit thrown by that. And I think, I mean, it's probably intentional, but yeah, um, yeah I just, it was very, very odd to me. But yeah, it makes sense later on. So Kelly heads into work. She's very terrified and just... 
our surroundings continue. People are doing their small talk as they do at jobs, probably talking about the weather and what route they took to work. And you also get a very cool shot, the people in the truck taking the money out to bring into the bank. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And you, you get to see it from in the truck. Uh, there's just like nice little shots like that that are just extremely well done. It's, it's a very confident direction. Yes. And great like interior out like shots where it's like you're, you're in the interior, but it's like facing outward. So, and you see like a guy maybe in the corner in like profile and then like the, the truck will come up or later on there's a a shot where you're inside. Like, I guess it might've been like a restaurant near like where the pool is and it Mm kind of shoots out. Like there's just a lot of these like really neat shots that get really cool perspective. So her boss comes up to her and she says, please come to the conference room. And inside is Glenn Ford. And just like, hey, what did you see? And really all she has is that this guy had a wheezing voice. But she's like, you know, let me know what I got to do. We got to catch this guy. I got to save my sister. And Glenn Ford's just like, look, we're on this. You just got to stay cool. So she goes back to work and is told that she has a call from a police lieutenant. But it actually turns out to be the wheezing man. And he's like, I know you talked to the cops and I'm coming after your sister. Yeah. And I like that's kind of like it was a bit of a tip off to her because she called the feds. So why yes. would a police lieutenant be calling? And I, I thought that was really interesting. If you're paying attention, that, that's a tip off to the audience. So yes. you pay attention to these little clues. Yeah. In the meantime, we're going to cut to the pool. It looks like a great day for a swim. We're hanging out with Toby and Dave. They have a nice back and forth. Seems like a fun couple. Nothing bad to say about Dave. But yeah, Toby wants to get a Coke. She yep. goes to get some money and she finds a note that was left for her that says, Kelly, meet me at the Roaring Twenties tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So now the feds are trying to figure all this new information out when old Nancy Ashton calls again. She says, Glenn Ford, please come by. I'm scared. I'm ready to talk. I'm probably not going to be talking about my friend anymore. It's probably me. And he's like, I'll be there in an hour. Oh, yeah. yeah. By the way, I got a, I got some weird. I have a weird profession. So be yeah, she's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, P.S. I work at home and I make mannequins. Yes. Which leads to a very creepy set piece. One of the oh, best yeah. of the movie just follows her around the apartment and she's all creeped out but gets a little comfortable too. I mean, she takes her shirt off, she starts smoking. Mm-hmm. So she's looking at the door, still creeped out, locks up, turns the lights off, heads back upstairs and then it pans to the mannequins and you just see the bad guy, the wheezing guy just amongst them. It's so good. Yeah. And then when they find her too. Oh, yes. <laughs> so yeah, we cut back to Glenn Ford who was taking a sweet time checking in on uh, everything. And he's, he's talking to Kelly. She's at home with the sister, Toby. And the wheezy man calls in from that apartment and says nothing just to give everyone a scare. Yeah. So Glenn Ford and his partner, fi- or the captain, I believe, excuse me. They finally head over to Nancy's and she's dead, just hanging upside down. Yeah. From the, from the rafters, <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And they're like, it's probably not connected. But then they find Kelly Sherwood's name and address in a pocket of Nancy's. So, boy, what are we going to do from here? Well, why don't we go ahead and cut to the movie theater where we see a man eating popcorn. Well, what's his name? Popcorn, of course. <laughs> Played by Ned Glass. What do you think of Popcorn? He was something. He uh, was something. Yeah, he was, he was kind of funny. I, I did enjoy the when it transitions to the the next scene is it's zoomed into like this like 1920s you know early 10s silent kind of like almost like buster but yeah like buster keaton kind of thing but it's like a lot of just like weird near misses of like cars like almost like running into each other and stuff and it's a full audience of people just like cracking up including popcorn it's it was it was funny 
Um, and us, Dan and I were laughing at home. We loved it. Yes, it was a good time. <laughs> it's cool when it cuts in though, because it really, for like a millisecond, feels like it's part of the movie. You're like, what the right. heck? Right. Exactly. And then, and you get on board. Yeah. So yeah, we meet Popcorn. He's an informant of sorts. Uh, he mostly sees himself as a reporter who will yeah. snoop around and follow people in places just to get news or to get in the news, or he'll sell it to the fuzz for like five or ten bucks. Yeah. But he's been watching a phone that a friend of the Weezer has been using. And he knows something, not very much, but mostly that they're going to kill Kelly. He hasn't seen anyone, and he also has a deal with the captain that he only gives up info, not people. Like He protects his sources. He's yeah. all about being a newsman, even though he is not even close to one. Yeah. What have you got on the bank job? Oh, about $15 worth. All right. Well, I don't know who the guy is that's going to pull the job. But he's got a friend, and this friend uses a phone that I got staked out. Where is the phone? I'd rather not say, sir. Go on. The guy wanted his friend to do something, I don't know what, and the friend asked if there's going to be a killing, and the guy said there might be. The near as I could get the name, the victim was Sherwood. Miss Sherwood, the friend called her. And sure enough, he was going to do away with her. Not now, but later. How much later? It was all very vague, sir. This friend, what does he look like? Oh, I just got a spot where I can listen. I never see him. Look, I want to know where that phone is. Well, the captain and I... Look, don't give me any of that. The captain and I have an agreement. I just supply the information, not the source. Right, Captain? That's the agreement. All right, if there is a killing, it's going to be right on your head. Oh, I know that, sir. Yeah. You think you'll hear any more? Yeah, I think so. You be sure to call me? As soon as I hear anything. Thanks. Nice meeting you, Mr. Ripley. Night, gentlemen. Think we ought to put a tail on him? He'd spot it. I've tried it before. He spots it every time. A very unique character. He has kind of a built-in radar. Mm. Has his own peculiar set of rules. You play the game his way or you don't play it at all. And in this case, I think it would be better for Miss Sherwood if we kept the faith. Yeah, I guess so. And now we're in a room and we see the wheezing man and we see him pretty much head on. Like, it's very interesting how they reveal him slowly. Like, they're not hiding him, but they are. Because yeah. even when you see his face, like, it's not always completely. Like, you get a little bit of the shadows, but... He's waking up, and you get to see him use a 60s inhaler, which was yeah. pretty crazy. Just kind of squirting in the mouth, hoping for the best. But he does call Kelly, and he does sound a little bit better, actually, so it is working. Yeah. And he's just calling to reconfirm their plans. It's, it's a good move. You know, hey, just want to make sure we're still on for the, yeah. for the robbery. Con- confirming the date, you know. You never know when people are going to flake, Dan. So he's like, oh, and by the way, just want to threaten your sister one more time, and he hangs up. The feds go over the plan with Kelly, including that they think he just guessed that he talked to the cops. He's like, well, this is such a perfect plan. He's hot shit and he's cocky, but he probably doesn't know that you've actually talked to us. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get him. And now we're, the feds keep watching her as she enters the Roaring Twenties, which is very roaring. It's a cool little bar. You got people drinking, there's singing, there's women on swings. The great what camera. Point- Camera yeah, exactly. Swings in with the camera. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, as if like sees her face and she just looks so terrified. She has no idea what she's looking for. Yeah. So she's just wandering around and she sees a man just playing a target game with an air rifle, shooting at you know ducks and various other targeted animals, fake animals. 
And she gets this vibe where she thinks this is the guy. It, it, exactly. It's an interesting position she's put in because it looks like, for her, she's like, who are these people? And for everyone else, they're like, ah, oh, might, she might be interested in me. This is a bar after all. Yeah. And so she sees a guy shooting the air rifle. It's like, might be him, but she starts to walk away. And then this guy totally, you know, is like, hey, I think it, it's, you must be looking for me. And she's like, I, I guess. Yeah. So she leaves with him after going to the valet and say, hey, come grab my car. Yeah. And just totally pieces out. But she thinks that he must be part of it. But it turns out he's just a horned dog. He yeah. sucks. Trying and to so yeah. she's disgusted and so much so that she jumps out of the moving car. Yeah. And, and then almost gets hit by a truck. But the feds come racing up to the rescue. And it turns out, yeah, this guy's nobody after all. Yeah. So Weezer calls up the next night and he is pissed. But yeah. Kelly gives him the business. He's, she's starting to get a little more confident. Yeah, I like that. When she was just like, I was there. Like, Yeah, I like, I what you. do you yeah. want? You, you yeah. got to give me a little more than just like, I'll, I'll come get you. Yeah. I, I get it. Hello? You dirty little double-crossing. Now you shut up and listen to me. I didn't know that man. I never saw him before in my life. How was I supposed to know it wasn't you? I've never seen you. He picked me up because I was standing around looking like I wanted to be picked up. You're a lying little... Why didn't you come out of your hole and get me? Why did you let me stand around and, and, and get picked up like a, a prostitute? Now, I did exactly what you told me to do. I said I'd work with you and I will, but only if you keep your part of the bargain. I was nearly killed tonight. It wasn't my fault. So now what do we do? Hello? Hello? You know what I think, Kelly? I think that man you met tonight was a cop. A cop? Well, that, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Hello? But the feds also, at this point, they think they know who they got, who the culprit is. They've been sending in his recorded calls to be studied, and they get back Garland Red Lynch. Yep. And so they take this info to the streets. They got his picture. They find out he likes Asian women, so they've been going to like nightclubs, restaurants, all over San church. Francisco. That's where they get the lead. They finally go to a yep. church, and they say, oh, Elisa soon knows him. And so they go to see her, but she's playing dumb, like she doesn't know him. And she asks for her lawyer to come over, which you're like, what? But yeah. actually, he lives across the street, and he's home, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very convenient. And also, when she's talking to him, ah, she gets off the phone, and Glenn Ford shows that he knows Chinese, which was really cool. Yeah. I like Glenn Ford in this role. I mean, it's a usual Glenn Ford role, but it works for him. Yeah, it's cool. No, I yeah, I I, I liked him in this. Yeah, he's a good hero. He's a good he's a good G man. You know. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of G man, why don't we go see Lisa's son? Because uh, he might know something. Oh, but we do find out that the lawyer says like, you know, hey, you should talk if you know something. And she says like, ah, oh, we dated a few times, but that's it. Yeah. So yeah, Lisa has a son. We go to see him. And his name is Joey, and he's yeah. cool as shit. This guy knows what to do with his name. He's just laid back, chilling in his hospital bed. He's like, what are you, a G-man? Show me a yeah. gun. Yeah, let me see your gun. Yeah, Let me see your gun. Very cool. Usually kid actors are annoying, but this one was really awesome. And yeah. he, wore, he wore my name proudly, so shout out to him. So yeah, they're talking about Uncle Red, then Lisa shows up. Red has been paying the bills, so it's been making it really hard for Lisa to give him up, despite yeah. knowing the fact that he's killed and done other awful things that I mean, when you get find out who it is, they're like, oh, this guy's like assaulted people. He's murdered people. This isn't his first experiment in terror, let's, uh, let's just say. Yeah, actually, we're watching the sequel. So hopefully we yeah. get that prequel at some point where it was a, a successful yeah, well, experiment. 
Yeah, they did say before that it was like Oklahoma, right? That it was like a similar thing. I like think that's, so, yeah. that's what was one of the charges against against Red was that, like the same exact thing with a with a woman that worked in a bank and it was a whole it was like the same type of setup. And as we can see, he's living in luxury, so clearly it was worth it that first time. <laughs> right. I mean, that's I mean, that's pro- that was my guess of that's how he was able to bankroll, you know, this, you know, the Joey's hospital bills, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, he definitely I I'm sure he likes this woman. He's yeah. hanging out with the kid. And, and he really likes getting, the kid. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. Cause she, she says he basically looks up to him like a father because he doesn't really have a father. Right. And so he gets some like, toys, stuffed animals. Yeah, stuffed tiger, we'll, we'll, yeah. We'll get into some of that, especially the stuffed tiger. Um, we have seen it at this point. It has the most sad and horrified look on its face that a yes. stuffed tiger has ever had. Like, it was a real tiger that just got stuffed. Like, what? Yeah. It, it's a surprise stuffing yeah very very heartbreaking so shout out to the tiger um and now we're at lunch it's a work lunch with kelly they're at the fruit bowl she's with a work friend and she heads to the washroom and she gets confronted by red dressed as an old lady and it's both funny and terrifying so much yeah because it's like ridiculous but he's like still just has that look on his face it's still very shadowy somehow and he's got you know his voice and he's like and Let she's trapped. Yeah, you know, she's, she's trapped, trapped in there. And and the the two guys, the the two FBI guys, are, are at the at the counter. So they're they yep. they and they have no idea. No one's looking for this old lady. So yeah, he gives her the instructions. You're gonna take the money. You're gonna go home, and I'll give you a call. Takes out a gun to threaten her, and then he puts on the big ass glasses and heads out. And he even like for a second, right before he heads out, he like gets back into his old lady character too. Like it gets into like the slouch. Like he just yeah. like becomes that old lady. It's it's really amazing like <laughs> yeah it, as a it's just an acting choice that cannot compliment that enough so we're back at the conference room with the bank manager glenn ford and kelly and they're trying to figure out what they're gonna do she's gonna get a promotion so that's good yeah if, if all goes minimum well. maybe a yeah. bonus or something but yeah the uh the manager's like oh you've been through a lot and glenn ford is trying to get more info from popcorn who's not giving up sources and so he goes and takes him to the pool to show popcorn the sisters and get them to feel a little guilty like these are real people yeah two two babes especially like you know it's not like a usual we're letting ugly people die down <laughs> we're saying how close they are and stuff like that and just like you know it is different when you see the real people you know what i mean like i think that obviously it made sense that like if he's really trying to evoke like any kind of emotion out of out of popcorn it's to actually see you know that they're human beings and they're in the situation and you kind of have to, you know, put yourself in their shoes, you know, and if you have an opportunity to help, you know, you should help. You want to show the human side of someone. Yeah. You take them to the pool. That's where you find honesty. Yeah. Back at the FBI, Red calls in. He's trying to check in on the Kelly Sherwood case. He's like, you know, hey, I think she was threatened, but really he's just trying to see if there is a case at all. And Glenn Ford, he plays it dumb. And it was nice to see them talk, though. Yeah. You're hoping those two get together. And now, Dan, if I don't have you, I never would have. Because we get a call that there's just been a report. We just got a report. There's a heavy fog rolling in on Glenbrook Avenue. Now it's getting so thick down here, I can hardly see the front of the house. <laughs> I was, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, son of a bitch. I, I, this, this had to have helped. Could you imagine my, my joy? I could. I honestly could. I, I wish mean, I well, could have first- been there. First, I'll say, like, I absolutely love the location of her house and the street it's on, and it still exists to this day. I looked it up. Um, yep, that's going to be on our San Francisco tour, Dan. Yes, and that's, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, I was like, this definitely needs to be added, be added to our list. But, I mean, even that, 
that's one of the next shots you see is you see him like out looking over the feds watching the house mm-hmm. and you see the fog rolling in. I'm like, oh, this is this is so good. It's, it's it. perfect. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I got Dan. I think we're yeah. okay. I can rest easy from now on. Right. If um, I wasn't sold up to this point, that that was the sell right there. Like, uh, I, you know, sometimes you need a little extra fog, but yes, yeah. confidence. We're all feeling confident. We now know that our friend Dan is enjoying the movie. So mm-hmm. myself and the listeners can relax and enjoy the fog along with you. Yes. And as well as this one fellow would have liked to have done because he drives up and he pulls out a chair. And you're like, ah, oh, man, this must be it. Looks like he's just posted up, ready to watch. But it's just some drunk guy. <laughs> what a great sequence this is, though. I, I, lo- I loved it. I loved it, it, it too. It was well. It was. I mean, just like everything else, it was well shot, and it does really lead you down this like path where you're like, oh, is this the guy? Like, is he going to be doing this? Like, what's what's happening? Like, you're you're so much in suspense too. And yeah, especially now that we've seen the guy. So now it's just yeah. It, it really is like everyone who's coming out of the shadows could be him, but right. not so much this time. Back to popcorn. <laughs> Grab a handful. Popcorn's meeting up with Ford, and he's feeling guilty about the girls. The pool trick worked, so he's going to go ahead and show them to this phone that he's been casing. And that's where Red has been talking to someone who's been answering the phone, who's going to help him out with like passports and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so they climb the fire escape to this ringing phone, and that's great. The climb, the way that's shot. Yeah. Then after that, someone comes down, there's a gunfight. We got a firefight. And there's this kid that was helping Red. Basically, it's not like he was like a junkie, like just helping out for a fix for a couple bucks. Yeah. He was going to do what he could for Red. And he's dead, as is Popcorn. R.I.P. Popcorn. Yeah. Left him in a little too long, huh? Yeah. He finally kind of, you know, really, I guess, wised up and was willing to help. And just at that moment, yeah, he's... he's it's off to that great colonel in the sky. Yeah. I kind of want some popcorn right now. I know. I hear you. I had some popcorn with Conan. That was fun. Oh, that's good. That's good. Time. I don't think I've ever done popcorn for any of these movies. I should. I haven't either. Yeah. No, because it's I... all business. I'm not usually doing too much snacking. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, like you gotta be, you know, you gotta be locked in. Sopranos movie. I'm eating a full Go Puff pizza. Not giving a <laughs> fuck. This yeah. one, I'm all business. Yes. Shout out to popcorn though. The food and also the actor is tasty. Kettle corn, right? That's the yeah. one. Yeah. Kettle corn's very good. Maybe for the sequel, he'll be the next informant. Yes. Glenn Ford, he goes back to talk to Joey and Lisa. They're at this rehab pool. He's trying to get a location for Red. He seems like he's going to be able to get one from a toy that he sent. Turns out to be that creepy, sad-looking tiger. Yeah. He's going to use that info to find the toy store and who set up the order and hopefully get some info back. Meanwhile, Toby and Dave, they're at a drugstore. It's hopping. Everybody's eating, listening to music. Uh, and then Toby gets a phone call, and it's Red. He says, Kelly's been shot. And Toby needs to come quickly and come with me. We'll take her to the hospital. You got to come alone and don't be seen or else I'm going to let her die. Don't say a thing. I'll yeah. come pick you up. Come meet me. So she races. And I mean races. She is hauling ass. Yes. Out through the kitchen in the back, past the cops and Dave's, and then into Red's car. Uh-oh. Yeah, not good. Not good. We get back to Red's place. It's dusty, so you can totally see what's wrong with his breathing. And he says to Toby that Kelly's okay and he just needed a way to get her there. Now you're going to be a part of this thing with me. And he has her stripped to her underwear. Yeah, this whole sequence is very creepy with the, the shot the shot where he like kind of like walks into the um, stand with the all the uh, clothes hangers uh, and stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's really, really creepy sequence. Because you're like, you don't know what's going to happen. You know? Really creepy. Exactly. As, as she doesn't, she's crying. You're not in this very good situation. Yeah. He makes a call over to Kelly. He's like, I got your sister. 
So this is how we're going to do this now. She's all right now. And if I get the money, I'll let her go. But if anything goes wrong, I'll kill her. I'm not around to do it. I got a friend who's going to babysit. Oh, wait a minute. Tell her you're all right. Sis? He said you were shot. But he hangs up and then he goes and locks her in this closet with cobwebs. It's a um It's a fur storage. Fur storage, thank you. That's what yeah. I was looking for. Yeah, it's like a fur storage, very small room, cobwebs, probably dark when you shut the door, not a good place to be. Yeah. But the feds are ready to go. They're they're ready to, to act on this. And at one point, one of them goes like, how's Miss Sherwood? And Glenn Ford goes, well, she'll probably have a nervous breakdown after this. But for yeah. now, she's good. Like, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we do see she's very nervous, but she puts all the money in her bag and she leaves and she doesn't say a word and it just nervously follows her through the exit. You know, even though she's like everyone, the people that matter know she's taking the money. Like yeah. it's still so much dread and fear throughout it. It's it's a good time. Right. It's still very tense, a very tense moment yeah. at, the, at the bank for sure. So she heads to a payphone outside, which rings, and the cops are staying on her, including a helicopter. And she gets into a, this cab that was sent by Red, and the cabbie also said, here, here's this package I was supposed to give you, and it has her sister's clothes in there, yeah. as well as tickets for the Giants versus the Ang- or the uh, Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah. yeah, at uh, Candlestick Park. Real yep. game, too. That was yeah. fun. Quite, quite a plot point. Uh, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a it's a great climax here at the park, oh, at yeah. Candlestick Park. So she's sitting down, she's waiting. She even gets some binoculars from the guy sitting next to her. She's looking around, sees Glenn Ford, and she starts to feel a little safer. Meanwhile, a Fed is able to get that address from the toy shop that was billed for the tiger. And they bust into Red's place and find poor Toby in a fur storage closet. She's alive, but she's very frightened. And we do now see that he was in on this alone. Like, it was just him. Yeah. And now they have have her. So like the any leverage he has at this point is kind of done. Unless she obviously goes after after her after Kelly, but um, yeah. at least at least her sister stayed at that point. So they they have more of a a chance to really move in on this guy once they can try to find him. Yeah, whatever his plan might be, which turns to be the game ends, and then everything is crowded. Everyone's leaving. It's very claustrophobic. Yeah, great sequence. Yeah, great, great sequence. Red shows up uh, in a Unabomber disguise, pre Unabomber. Yeah, very interesting <laughs> with the hood and everything. He's got great outfits throughout the movie. Yes. he grabs Kelly and the money, but Glenn Ford catches an eye of this, and he's like, "No, no, no, we're getting this thing done. This looks like the end of the movie to me." Yeah. Uh, Red fires a shot to create a panic, and then he runs off onto the field. Yes. <laughs> so cool. So good. And Glenn Ford then shoots him on the pitcher's mound and he, and he wheezes just, to death. He's splayed on, on the pitcher's mound. And then, yeah. everybody, and then you see everybody just like closing in as the, the camera's kind of coming out. Like It zooms out. You yeah, see like the helicopter hovering yeah. around it. And then, yeah, just a great shot from the field. And then also a random credit for Ross Martin as Red. Yeah. I guess maybe either they forgot or they were just like, this guy was so phenomenal. Just give it to him one more time. Got to throw it in there. Got to throw it in, and then the end, my friend. Yeah. No, what a, what a movie. And, and I think what I really like about it, I mean, yeah, it's definitely 
on the later end, uh, you know, as we mentioned, we kind of, you know, our kind of demarcation is 1965 as yeah. far as like the classic era, and this is 62. But it made me think about, you know, what makes this one particularly interesting to me is that it, it is that the, there's a lot of obvious film noir tropes in this film, but the interesting one that I liked about The Wrinkle is, and it's the basis of the movie, is that at its fundamental core, it is a bank robbery movie. Like, exactly. and, that's, and that's a fundamental plot point in, in that. But the interesting wrinkle at this time is he's basically like almost like a serial killer kind of vibe and, and, and pulling the strings and being a kind of puppeteer to kind of do it by proxy and kind of, you know, scaring people into doing this. And it's just, it's a fascinating idea. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I think because, yeah, it is 62. I understand why people are like, you know, hey, it goes up to a point. But I really feel like this is why I wanted to take it up to 65 because there's a couple of movies like this that just feel like the end of film noir, like the end of that era. Yeah. Sure, there's a little bit of 60s that come into it, but it just, it doesn't quite belong in that era. It really just feels like the epilogue of classic film noir. Yeah. I, it still has that feel. It still has those lessons. It helps that we have our old friend Glenn Ford here. But I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't think this one is too controversial as far as that goes. No. Yeah. No. I, yeah. Like I said in the, in the intro, it's yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, it, it, it did feel a little bit long, but I, I was definitely locked in and I enjoyed every minute of it. And like I said, the, the cinematography alone just had me, you know, I was on edge with the plot, but I was on edge with like, how are they going to outdo the previous shot? You know, like that, that's what I kept waiting on. I'm like, well, like, well, how are they going to even outdo that? And then they do it. And you're like, Holy crap. Like, I know. I'm so glad to hear. Cause that was the one yeah. thing I was worried about. I'm like, Oh, Dan, I know it's like two hours and three minutes. That is a little yeah. long for me. I personally like I'm short myself, but yeah, you could imagine what to take out. And it does, it just keeps building and building. So it, it, it absolutely needed to be this amount. I think. No, I definitely, you know, I have, I have, you know, film noirs I definitely like on the shorter end, but I mean, there, I definitely had good stamina. I think, I mean, I, I can sit through Tarkovsky or, or Bellatar, <laughs> you know, you know, nine hour epics and stuff like that. I've, I've done that. So yeah, I mean, I have the stamina, but yeah, I mean, this is definitely a little bit lo- longer than your typical noir, but it is worth it. I think it, it is, it is such a great film you know, everything from, yeah, the plot, the cinematography, the, the score is fantastic. Henry, Henry Mancini. It's yes. I mean, the opening. Yeah. What, what that had me like hearing that as the Columbia pictures is coming up, you're like, <laughs> you're already kind of like, okay, like I'm in, like, this is cool. And you're seeing the car go up the Brit, the golden gate bridge. And you're like, okay. Okay. We're right. in San Francisco. I'm in, I'm in. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you're selling me right here. It's, it's good. So yeah, no, I, I definitely would recommend it. Excellent. Ah, so thrilled to hear all of this. You ready to get into some fun facts? Maybe it'll change your mind. No, it'd be tough at this point, but I'm, I'm ready. Well, let's see what we got. For here's one that might do it. It was released in the UK as The Grip of Fear. Okay, that doesn't bother me. It's a cool name, actually. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. I can see it is a good title for the movie. Like, it is A Grip of Fear. But Experiment and Terror, also great. Flip the coin. I think either way you'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, the Gordons, <laughs> which was a great credit to see like screenplay by the gordons more couples should do that but yeah. they originally had their novel made into a noir film a make haste to live and after mm-hmm. hearing that the screenwriter of that picture had made forty thousand dollars while they only received five thousand they insist on writing all the adaptations of their books from then on hmm. and the well, fbi agent lesson. yeah yeah oh absolutely that's a that's a lot to leave on the table especially when you're doing the hard work but the FBI agent, John Ripley, in this, played by Glenn Ford, he's actually appears in many of their novels. So if you're looking to continue the story, maybe that's the way to do it. Yeah. Director Blake Edwards, he was actually an actor at first who found bigger success as a director. 
And speaking of his time as an actor, he said, quote, I worked with the best directors, Ford, Weiler, Preminger, and I learned a lot from them. But I wasn't a very cooperative actor. I was a spunky, smart-ass kid. Maybe even then I was indicating that I wanted to give, not take direction. <laughs> and besides Breakfast at Tiffany's, which once again, this was his follow-up film too. I, I, I just love that. It's such night and day. That's fascinating to me. And he didn't really do a lot of film noir, but he clearly was very good at it. I would have loved to have seen more. But he also was known for the Pink Panther film series yes. with Peter Sellers, which is great. And he was married to Julie Andrews until his death in 2010. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any Lee Remick fun facts other than to say, go listen to Lee Remick by the Go-Betweens. It's a great song. It was their debut single from 1978. And they they thought she was from Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) She is not, but it's still an awesome song. Stephanie Powers, she's from the great Heart to Heart TV series from 79 to 84. Still alive. So maybe she'll come on the show and talk about this movie. It's actually one of the special features on, on here too. Just I was just going to say, I watched, I watched that, and that was really interesting just to kind of hear how she met Blake Edwards and how that whole thing came to be with her being in the movie was, was pretty funny. Great features on here. I mean, you get a commentary. There's subtitles. I think that's one of the mm-hmm. marks of qualities for these things for us. If, if at bare minimum, we can get subtitles. There's like four yeah. trailers, yes. two theatrical and two TV. Um, yeah, just great job. And again, this print is just stunning. It, it, it looks great, not, yeah. As we said earlier, the Kelly's house on 120 St. Germain Avenue in San Francisco, still standing, same architecture, come visit. Also the helicopter from the movie, it's a 1947 Bell 47G, and it crashed outside of Cincinnati, Ohio in May 20th, 1982. Oh, wow. No longer with us, RIP helicopter. And then finally, uh, yeah, I guess we can sort of bring in, there's a little bit of the Twin Peaks inspiration as we've been going through these film noirs where slowly realizing where all these David Lynch ideas come from. But hey, I mean, you get the, the Twin Peaks sign at the beginning, which also has the, the Twin Peaks sign at the beginning of this show. And yep. There's some dialogue that's taken that's used for Bob. And then also that beginning scene is very similar to a scene from Wild at Heart with Willem Dafoe. Yeah, sure. I love Wild at Heart. One of my Wild favorite L- Lynch movies. And, you know, Lynch also shares a last name with Garland Lynch, Red Lynch, the bad guy. Yep. They also have Major Garland Briggs. So, I mean, he's definitely taken some stuff from it. And as you should, this was a, a good one to take from. Very inspirational film. If yes. you're not watching this and feeling inspired in some way, even just of like, holy shit, the lads are putting me onto good movies. Uh, yeah, I don't know what we could do for you. Yeah. No, this, this, is a, this is a very cool, very unique film. Definitely, definitely recommend. Yes, that's two out of two from the lads. I don't know how much better you can get. Um, I will spoil it, though. I say next week we're going to feel the same way. <laughs> we're, watching a, we're watching a classic, but we're, we're, we're bringing in a friend. We got another guest to wrap up our spooky October Halloween noir. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'm sure we all saw this coming, but we're doing it. We got 1955's The Night of the Hunter. I never told you he'd throw it in the river, did he? I can hear you whispering, children, so I know you're down there. I can feel myself getting awful mad. Here is all the passion and suspense, the heart-pounding warmth of the best-selling novel that gripped millions. Superb, unforgettable performances by an extraordinary array of talent. Figured I was gone, huh? Run, hide in the staircase. Run quick! 
Ruby, shit! What do you want? I want them kids. I'm giving you to the count of three to get out of here, then I'm coming across the kitchen shooting you. The combined powers of Paul Gregory and Charles Lawton brought the King Mutiny Court Martial to Broadway. Now the screen receives that same creative, electrifying impact. The Night of the Hunter. I know you've been waiting on this one for a while. <laughs> I mean, I'm always ready for more Mitchum, and uh, this is, I think it's a good follow-up to the one we just did. I, I think we took a nice progression of, of like the way the stories that these four films have told throughout the month of October they I think we did it right weirdly like we just kind of covered maybe, a lot of different bases you know of, of like yeah. film noir that have the different horror kind of wrinkles it, it's kind of covering a lot of the a lot of the bases yeah it's it's interesting I mean at this point just because we know the next one is such a classic we can say we, we were successful I think we did a great job we'll get more into it next month or next week but I think we did a good job yeah I don't mean to toot our own horn, but I mean, coming off a good movie, we're, I'm feeling good and we're feeling good about ourselves, Dan. What a, what a good little operation we run here. <laughs> nice little outfit. Yeah, not too shabby, huh? Yeah. And if you agree, why don't you go ahead and email us at therealoutofthepodcast at gmail.com, out of the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, out of the cast on Twitter. You know, we should probably just like record something we could just throw at the end of these episodes. <laughs> In a very robotic voice. Yeah. All right. We'll look out for that next week. Maybe that'll be our, our special guest speaking. We did have a robot on for the first ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More just a reference to the Rocky Four reference we were making and not their robotic dulcet tones, which are non-existent. Uh, yes. That Rocky Four trailer came out that cuts out the robot. Have you seen that yet? I have not seen that and I don't want to see that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. Thank you for your welcome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being with us. There you go. We're going to see you next time for the, for the nighttime of The Hunter. Special guest. Special guest. Come by to see who it is. You know we're booking a big one. Yep. Who is it? Come on back next week. We'll see you there. And find in the out. Mean, find out. But in the meantime, I think we've committed such a successful bank robbery that we must toast. Yes. Sir? Here's the crime. Here's the crime. <laughs> Kelly. Kelly. Weezer. I should have done more impressions. Kelly. <laughs>